Welcome to Family Business Diaries, the podcast where we unravel the secrets of family businesses. I'm your host, Mary Asantia Samoa, and today we have a very special guest with us, our first family business founder, who happens to be my father and my boss, Mr. Henry Tabby. Henry Tabby is the founder of the Barbex Group. For over 30 years, Mr. Tabby has grown and evolved his business to stand the test of time. Henry has a diploma in civil engineering from the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology and, at, and has participated in a number of executive development programs abroad. He's a father of three and a grandfather of four. Happy to have you join us on the show, Mr. Tabby. Thank welcome, you. welcome. Thank you. All right, let's get talking. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You good? Well, yeah. All right, cool. So, um, can you take us back to the beginning? I want to understand, you know, how it all started, how you started your family business. Um, thanks for asking, for inviting me. Um, now I've been working with uh, TSEC, which is uh, the old Taylor Woodrow company from the UK. And I got to the point of being responsible for business development. Uh, that's looking for business for the company. And um, at the time, I think uh, this was the time when uh, surface mining being introduced into Ghana. Uh, we had moved from the deep shaft mining owned by the state and being uh, money industry going private. And so <clears throat> we had this new, call it uh, technology or method of mining, uh, faster to develop a mine uh, if it's a surface mine. And so I was focused on that business, uh, developing relationships with the companies that were coming into Ghana to develop the surface mines. Um, somewhere along the line, Tilodro International and the head office in the UK uh, gave us instructions to pull back because um, I think uh, we're being flagged for expanding. The, the company was being flagged for expanding too rapidly, so they were to pull back. But I had developed uh, these contacts for the new mining ventures in Ghana, and asked to stay on, and so I had an arrangement whereby I stayed on for on a separate contract for a period, and then I went ahead, I took the risk of deciding to continue with the mining side. Interesting. Yeah. So you decided to continue what your yes. um, company had started. Yes. Well, that's interesting. So what were your initial... Plans. What was the vision when you set out to start Barbex? Well, it was a sort of uh, a jump into, into it because it was a matter of deciding whether to continue to look after those companies, uh, service companies, because this was the beginning. So we're talking about exploration companies, drilling companies, laboratories. They were the forefront of um, starting these new mining ventures. Uh, so you had to make the decision to go for it or not, because they needed people 
to continue the service I was providing them, which is basically liaison with government agencies, regulatory uh, organizations, and in fact, even uh, starting new ones because of the demands of the job. For example, the Minerals Commission was created out of that because we had to make a case for um, exemption for the services that we were providing because we didn't have labs here. We had to send them out. Uh, there were no drilling companies. They all came from our side, but their consumables uh, needed to be duty exempt. Okay, it's been like 33 years to be exact, right? Yeah. So how has the vision evolved over the years? I mean, this is how you started. We're talking 2023. How has that vision evolved? Okay, well, the first stage is, as I said, I mean, it's, it, it ran parallel with the mine development, which is that the forefront was uh, drilling exploration. So you have drilling companies and consultants, uh, geologists, and then we went into developing the infrastructure for the mines, which meant that there were opportunities for uh, road construction, building construction. We stayed, I stayed, well, Taylor Woodrow wasn't interested in that. He was interested in the mining, the contract mining, which was a new thing altogether. But they had equipment outside that were available to mobilize into Ghana. So as we went along, uh, you had choices to make. Uh, I looked at the consumable side because of its long, uh, long life uh, yeah, exactly. business as opposed to the infrastructure ones. So by the time the uh, metallurgists were on the ground, you know, doing uh, lab tests and so on, um, I stayed with uh, that group. And then the supply of raw materials, uh, reagents for uh, the process plants. Okay. So that, that, because that then established Barbex as providing a long-term uh, service to the industry. Mm. I think you've done a good job still doing that, right? Offering value-driven supply chain solutions. So, well done. All right, so when you started, I mean, or over the years, did you think of, did you think of establishing a family business? Did you think that's what you were doing or you just, you know? No, um, I didn't think of it that way actually. Uh, it was purely a dedication to provide a reliable service for uh, for the companies that I work for. So, you know, I just focused on that and picked up people along the way to work with me, uh, and that's it. So it just kept going, driven by the demands rather than you know, a strategy on my part. It's, yeah, it's the, the, because it started to open the mines very quickly. You know, um, obviously, Ashanti Goldfields first, uh, the expansion, uh, the change from shaft, deep shaft mining, uh, underground mining, to surface to heap leach. Even with the surface, there were different methods. Uh, the heap leach, and then the CIL circuits, uh, 
CIA plants. So all this kept us so busy, and uh, there was no time to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to think. And each time there's a demand for some service, such as labor or human resource supply, all of that. So at what point did you have family involved in your business? Um, how did it happen? I think for a short period, my brother worked with me because he had come back from Nigeria. And so he looked after the Accra office uh, from where we handled all of the shipping and uh, services like even meeting the principals as they come in, visa application, that sort of thing. All that was part of our administration in Accra. But I spent most of my time on the mines because obviously that's where I started from. And so I spent more time on the mines, each mine, um, either on my own, you know, following up on work that we are doing or accompanying principals who are visiting. Hmm? So your brother joined, sadly he passed away. And then, mm. and then your children joined at a point. Yeah, well, so I was alone until, I mean, working with uh, employees for quite some time, up to about 2007, 2008. Um, there was need to, you know, change things a bit. Uh, we were growing very fast, and I needed some positions filled. And you know, daughter was a around. It's okay, it's me. You can say. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the family anger came in. And then there was a time for restructuring too, so that sort of uh, made it necessary to look at all of that to reduce our cost, overhead costs. So rather than hire people, um, decided to do it this way with, with family and then using advisory services from professionals instead of having them full-time on our books. So I think, um, is, it, is it safe to say that maybe it was the timing. I mean, there were sev several factors that came into play that had me here at the time. And of course, you had the need, so everything worked out. Or was there a plan on your side to uh, get me here? No, no, no. I, I mean, to, the truth, the, there wasn't a plan like that. I mean, there wasn't. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, it's right. just, the arrival was just the right time, as we said. We're trying to downsize a crowd office, use less of hired people. And so that was it. Okay. So what has it been? I mean, what's the experience been like working with, with your children? Because you have two of us in, in the business. What has it been like working with your children? Well, most of it hasn't depended on me because... It seems to me, you know, on reflection, you can see that uh, the business is driven by the um, 
the customers, that's the mining companies, and they, they are a strong influence because they have uh, systems in place which force a vendor into their mold. You know, you, you work at the same pace. And also, uh, some of the principals we work for also are very big companies with systems, and so they they impose well impose uh, their systems or inculcate you into that. And I think uh, it's been one blessing we have in Barbex that we you know we've worked with so many big companies. It's helped us to adopt. Uh, you know, maybe world-class systems and certification and all that. It's been driven by them, by the customers and the principals. That's true. But now I want to bring it down to the family. Are there, are there written rules? Are there unwritten rules? How does it work in the office? Father, daughter, son, or boss, GM, like... What are the rules? Oh, I, I think we've, without, without drawing lines, you know, boxes and all that, we have respected um, that relationship that is um, informal environments. We've tried to stick to what should be done formally. I remember one of our auditors pointed out you know, in a, in a meeting or a discussion that, uh, you know, he was asking about procedures that we follow for certain things. And I mentioned a name and he said, no, don't bring in names. It's the position and the role. And that's all that matters. So we've adopted it unconsciously that we, we go by that. Uh, I think that's the, that's a good thing. Um, you know, outside working hours, the the relationship sometimes comes in, obviously. But there's respect for the rules, so I think we are good in that in that respect. We're good now. No, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't. I mean, it it wasn't so easy in the beginning, right? It's the transition. It's the transition of people uh, accepting. Uh, family members into the business. Now we've done a full changeover. Now, anybody we recruit now will know that this is this is the setup. So we make a choice or a decision based on that. Whereas the other people seem felt that they had worked for a while and other people are coming in. I mean, I remember when I came in, just around the same time, business business challenges, all of that, right? So it was, it was a just, it was a very rough period, right? Mm -hmm. Did you, did you worry? Did you, you know, have second, like, did you second guess yourself and all of that? Because it was rough. Getting, getting others to accept me was kind of a challenge. I had to prove myself to others. And for you sitting at the back, like, how did you feel? Well, I mean, uh, I knew you could survive. No, uh, you did. <laughs> but I think it was, being the first case, it was important 
to prove yourself to other people. Uh, because we had other workers, not just the Accra office. So it was important for your own benefit to prove yourself uh, so that <clears throat> there will be acceptance. That it's not just because family, but and I've, I've, since then I've read about other companies and found that uh, most, uh, most companies that have lasted long and are still working, it's because they try to uh, they ensure that family members joining prove themselves for the positions that uh, they hold. Okay. So it's a good way to do it. Thank you for this information. All right. So one of the key challenges, I believe, in Ghana when it comes to family business is succession planning, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's always a gap. And then when the founder passes away, everything just falls, you know, falls apart. So in your case, I just want to find out, you know, how are you preparing for the future? What are your plans, succession planning? Talk to me about that from your point of view. I think it's when you leave it, leave a gap, it is disastrous for the company itself because the market that you operate in, uh, they probably look at the founder as the person that they know. And so it's very important to introduce uh, your succession plan, I mean, implementing it gradually. Like people don't show up because you have ceased work, like uh, you are no longer uh, able to work to, to to play your role, then suddenly a new phase. Because it takes time to know the business. It takes time to know the people we uh, we have related to the companies even. And and if you, it's good to introduce uh, those who will be taking over as early as possible, so they have long periods of familiarization. It's not just a name, but they get to know the people. And also, as a founder, you have to realize that the shares that you hold, uh, you know, it, it affects your estate as well. It's part of your estate planning uh, that you have to do this. Um, so it's not like you should have a will separate uh, and then the company is just left hanging. You've got to integrate the two and come up with a plan, which you should start to implement long before it's needed. So any um, adjustments or amendments to clauses can be effected long before it's needed. And also, again, you know, it's educative. It's, it's, uh, it allows for assimilation, you know, and continuity, both on the, uh, on the staff side and the market, the customer side as well. Okay. So you've had a good, I mean, you've worked together for how long? Eight. So like 15 eight. years, right? Yeah. Okay. But aside from just having people in place and all, do you believe that these things should be documented, you know, 
that side of it. So it's not oh, just... Yeah, don't, definitely. That's why I say it's, it's partly your estate. So as okay. you do it, you should be writing, you're writing your will, basically. Because if you have found that, chances are uh, your assets will be... Um, have a lot to do with the, the business. Um, and so you have to address that, the legal side, the accounting uh, side, um, corporate issues should be addressed now. And, uh, but your will and, and the governance side of the business go together. But you know that on this side, I mean, for, for us, Somehow, somehow it is said that the Africans, we don't like talking about, about such things, will, estate planning, all of that. So let me put you on the spot. Have you started working on this? No, what you said is, I think is the choice of words. Okay. Uh, because if you, if you approach it on the basis of death, then that's where people think they should, you know, they are reluctant to discuss. Continuity. But um, what is the word? Um, it's being unable to continue to function. Or retirement. Yeah. So, if, yeah, once you want to leave the position, the rule and all that, that's when it starts. It's not death. No, it yeah. shouldn't be. But, but as you say, in our society, usually the thought goes around the issue of death. When you... When you die, what? What happens? But actually, it is to free you from, maybe, from your role. Yes. Make, yeah, free. Free to carry on doing things, you know. And for some people, depending on the profession we are talking about, nature of business and all that, there's continuity, except that they're working at a more relaxed pace, uh, so somebody must act. Uh, you don't need a checkbook being brought to you at home every time and all that. So that's why you ha it's one of the reasons you need to do it. But they don't stop working as such because if he's an artist, he'll probably continue doing that or a poet or whatever. Um, yeah, so it depends on the nature of business and your style and whether you are working or you are... Um, that's toiling as opposed to <laughs> a place of rest. Yeah, you know, that you're doing something you like. It means you don't stop. But you okay. must set up the transition arrangements. So between yourself and your other founder friends and all, do you think maybe in Ghana we need more education on this? Because like you said, maybe it's the choice of words. It's how we approach these things. That's why some people are reluctant to even talk about succession planning, but if we talk continuity, would that help? So do you think we need more education? I think so, definitely. Uh, you know, I've thought about it in many ways, and I've also, I feel emboldened to talk about it because of uh, one or two people that I, I met who, expl not explain, but I mean, tell you more about uh, what pertains in the world, you know, mentioning names of companies or company founders and how they've dealt with it. So it's it's an interesting topic, and I'm sure it's needed. Uh, 
it will help a lot of people sort out this sort of thing. Okay. All right. So I guess one other thing is um, even in doing this, the confidence in the next generation is also key, right? It's important to know that you're handing over to somebody who's, who can do their job, et cetera. So just curious, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in your kids to run the legacy you've built for the next 50 years? First of all, what is important is the transition, the how long, um, you know, introducing, excuse me, you to current customers, uh, discussing um, possible uh, plans going forward, uh, seeing where we went wrong in the past, what we can do better, new visions, and sharing all those things. You know, it's not, uh, it wasn't instantaneous. It's not like uh, handing over notes. And uh, so it's a relationship building thing. Relationship on all levels. That means the staff, the current staff, uh, relationship with uh, customers. And even they are also changing their people. So yeah. you miss some, but at least you, what the, the, the Ghanaian term is what, uh, you, you are in the system, you know, so people get used to working with you at different levels, different places. That, you know, the longer you can do it, the better. It makes it very smooth, you know, for all the levels involved. Mm -hmm. Has there been a time, I mean, maybe I should use the COVID period as an example, <laughs> but has there been a time where you're like, um, maybe I should, I, should, I should step in, you know? Have you, have you had such in instances where you're like, Oh, this is not going well, you know. No, it's not. It's not stepping in as in taking back, but rather to guide uh, on two levels by prayer and then physically making suggestions. But I found that the prayer works better. <laughs> yeah. So the backing that is needed. It's more to do with prayer. It's not even, it's not your, your vision because you don't know, you know, I mean, the future. You don't know everything in the future. So you can only pray for guidance for the people that you're handing over to. Yes, they, they may take their, uh, uh, they may fault here and there, but I mean, that's how you grow. And you can't write notes about that. It's, it's not like no, no. You, you, yeah, especially the relationships that you build will help you to make the right decisions. Okay. So looking back on your journey, what advice would you give um, other founders and family uh, business owners, right, um, to ensure successful and enduring legacy? It's it's very difficult to give one sentence advice because it depends whether that child is interested at all. And if, yeah, if, if the person is, because it, it takes passion to run 
a private business, I think. Yes, you need professionals and all that, but you must have a love for the work that you are doing, for the nature of business that you are into. So that's the first thing to discover. You have to throw the person at it, and if he or she doesn't like it, you need to know early. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't think there's a formula for it. The person likes it. Imagine right, running a, a garment factory or making clothes, and you want your child or your son or daughter to take over. You can't, you can't, you force. can't force it. Yeah. So they may shine somewhere else. Maybe they're not meant to be in your place. So it's, it's better to know as early as possible so you don't frustrate each other. Okay. So um, you would have been fine if we both, if we all said, mm, we're not interested in this. You wouldn't have taken it personal. Why shouldn't you take it personal? It is a very difficult um situation to be in as a parent uh, and after many years you know you have been told this and if you know your business well and what it's worth then of course you are saddened because you are going to have to give it to somebody or somebody else however you know we're talking to professionals or yeah professionals in 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 this area you find that they are still able to create um, structures that allow for the use of professionals to run your business, the business, but the proceeds are then allocated uh, between the professionals running the business and the family, so that there is some continuity. Awesome. As we wrap up, right, I, I want to talk about family values, you know, you can't help it. Somehow I feel the family values influence the business, right? So how do you think your family values have played a role in um, business? Yeah. Um, maybe um, we don't always realize what people see in us. And maybe that's what you are calling family values. It uh, comes out of training, uh, home training. It comes out of, yeah, it comes out of that. So people are attracted to you for what you stand for, including the business arena with the principals and customers um, that when you are mentioned they know what to expect and it's an unwritten uh, rule I think or that's how people operate um, if you are if you have a certain character like you are driven by money. People know it. They know that's, that's your brand. Yeah. <laughs> and when I approach you on that basis, you can choose. Uh, if if you're developing, your business is developed based on passion and interest, 
people respect that more than uh, one who is about how much is in it for him because you are likely to bend depending on who is paying what. But passion is a more genuine way and it's a quality that is sought by even companies when they operate in a market. It, um, they build, the trust is built around this. And whilst you know, nobody may send you a letter with questions about your character or anything, they form an opinion uh, on the way you relate to them, be it in the restaurant or wherever, you know, how you behave and uh, whether you are driven by passion and principles of uh, truth and honesty to them, eventually it, it shows, it pays out. And that's our, you know, unwritten rule in, in our family business because it's come from home training. And I think it's the best thing you can ever build your business or your life on. <laughs> so you believe you've, you've really instilled that in your children. You believe that the values that you... Yes, so they are afraid to do certain things, even if they are afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No, it, 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 it's a character building, and it's, it's built in you. They said your heart. Yeah. So when you are given something or you are being offered something which is not in line with it, your, start, your, your heart will start beating. <laughs> yes, you get frightened. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So I'm just wondering, you have, you have three children, you have two in the business. Would you like the third in there as well? Or is it a risk management thing you're doing? No, um, it's never come up. But the area that is definitely, I don't think she's fit for the mining. <laughs> she won't want to hear this. <laughs> no, I think uh, one of the thing, uh, ventures that I established was the plantation, the coffee plantation, coffee and cocoa. I actually went because of coffee, not cocoa. But now we have coffee, cocoa, and rubber. But the coffee is of interest because of the value addition. Yeah, there are many things you can do with it, not just the raw material. And I think it's probably better fitted for that because of a sense. <laughs> yes. She's She's better suited for that. She must fit into that area. So then is it in your succession plan? Yeah. Well, the succession... No, there's the business succession plan and the estate. Yes, but we're talking business here because you yeah. have the plantation. Yes. And you've identified someone who can help with that. So, mm -hmm. so what steps are you taking? You know that the plantation uh, structures are now being revised, uh, we're going to be recruiting and all that. So in, 
So it's in there somewhere. Uh, yes. In that process, we'll see how we structure it for her to function in the area that she can. Okay. Um, two more questions. So, you know, one of the things that is happening now is a lot of people go out and they never come back home, right? Mm. And you, I'm just curious, did you, did you ever wonder, like, were you worried that as your children are outside, they won't come back, especially since somehow you're expecting us to come help out? Did you, did you worry about that? And if for others facing similar situations, what would the advice be? Well, the one thing, you know, from day one, I, I didn't want the idea of settling outside or, or just being outside. Uh, I thought it would be useful to come home anyway. Uh, whether to work for me or not, it wasn't the issue. Um, thankfully, I mean, to, to encourage you to do that, I made sure about uh, spending vacation home so you don't lose contact with your uh, schoolmates in Ghana. Well, you can then make the decision um, if you want, but at least you don't lose the contact because I had found that um, people go abroad and maybe never come back. Uh, I know a couple of people like that who they had in mind that their children should come back to work, but they went very far from home and got married outside and there's no attraction now uh, their children don't know anybody here they don't really want to come back and uh, well at that age by the time you find out this is happening it brings a lot of sadness to well at least the couple of people who came to talk about about it with me so Make sure that they come home as often as possible, I think is the watchword, so that they don't lose their contacts. It's not so much because of you, but if they, they maintain contact with their schoolmates, they are likely to, to come back eventually. Yeah. Final thing, um, can you please give our audience next-gen's founders, the two sets, if you had to give them one key takeaway or one advice, what would it be? Next gens and the founders, your founders. your classmates. Well, the founders is easy. The <laughs> founders, should, yeah, encourage and encourage uh, to keep the relationships with your children all the time. Uh, they should come and visit as often as possible. These days it's easy to call, so you can call every day if you like. I mean, maintain that relationship. And for the next gens, uh, I don't know, I think that they need to understand, if you're talking about the business environment or uh, family business, next gens group in there, they need to understand the business and they need to make an early decision where they fit in or if they don't fit in at all, uh, rather than hanging in there sort of for the money or for the conditions, uh, only to check out at, the, you know, at some awkward time.
they are better off to declare their pathway and not disappoint themselves nor their parents. Okay, you said more for the next chance, but it comes down to one thing. It's the same thing, communication, right? Okay. Do you think that as founders, maybe you should be more open and, you know, talk, talk more, talk to the children about the business, get them interested, all of that. You don't, you don't communicate. Uh, and no, you, it, no, you, not, no. <laughs> but I'm saying it's a problem with founders, right? It, it, you see, it depends on the nature of the business. How the, you're assuming that somebody sat down and had a dream and wrote out a business plan and this, that, and the other. But for the banks asking, for most uh, uh, sole proprietorship, when it starts, it's a man or a woman doing what he or she likes. You may be a seamstress, you may be a carpenter, and you just it just keeps rolling like that. So you can't have that uh, perfect situation where it's written something which is going to tell you, share with you. And, you know, if a, a journey business, you just see it going, and that's it. So, you know, those who are close to you get to know. And if they have an interest, they come closer. And you fix them, uh, you know, into the business. That's it. But At least the, that's my, my view. But as the business grows, things are changing, so you have to show Yes, as stuff. it grows, yes. But you always need uh, an interested individual to work with. How would they be interested if they don't know what the business is even about? But you can't say you don't know at all. But how would you know? <laughs> you have to come home and I didn't you talk about this. So, because what does daddy do? Daddy is a banker. That's all you know. Daddy is this. But do you talk about the business, right? Oh, uh, well, maybe once a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, seriously, um, people don't talk about it. If, if you think people don't talk about it, it will be because you need an audience. You need people who want to listen, who care. But if, if, they, if they are not interested, if they haven't approached you, sometimes you don't feel like talking about it. So do you think this is one of the issues with family businesses? Because on your side, you are waiting for those who are interested to come and listen. On the other side, they don't even know what's going on to even think of coming to listen, you know, like... So then this is one of the issues that needs to be addressed Possibly. for family businesses, Possibly. right? Thank Possibly. you for bringing up and highlighting one of the key issues. So we are creating awareness on succession planning and stuff for founders. And then now this is one thing, highlighting <laughs> or promoting communication, <laughs> right? Okay. That's your opinion. <laughs> All right. But no, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mr. Tabby, for um, joining us on Family Business Diaries. I think you've really been open, quite transparent, so I'm grateful. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and thank you for being a good boss as well. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you, audience, for joining us on this episode of Family Business Diaries. We release new episodes monthly, and you can find the show on all podcast streaming platforms. Kindly subscribe to the Family Business Diaries YouTube channel. And follow us on social media at Family Business Diaries for behind the scenes actions and updates. See you on our next episode.